You're listening to a sermon from Darabin Presbyterian Church. Visit us online for more resources or to get in touch. John chapter 14. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that you know also that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father also as well. From now on, you do not know him, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these, because I'm going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. G'day. Um, g'day. I'm Pete. Great to see you all. Great to see a group coming for a baptism. How wonderful. Why don't we pray? We'll get into John 14. Father God, watch over us this day as we look at your word. We pray that you'd watch over us, be with us, and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. Is your heart troubled? Mine is. My, my dad's 89, he lives with his sister. Last week she had a fall, she broke a hip and a shoulder. She's in hospital as we speak. Operation uh, tomorrow to kind of try and do something about her shoulder. I've got friends, a number of friends, people I know and love in the last month have been in car accidents. People I know and love are in hospital. Uh, one person will be in hospital for months. Some have left hospital, they're in trying to recover. Life's hard, it's a bit of a mess. I'm missing some friends who used to be here at this church but have recently left. I miss seeing their faces. I miss being with them. I've spoken to a number of you and you're both excited about the year ahead. This year we get to move into our own building but a number of you are feeling tired, a little drained, a little worn out. I don't know today how you're feeling, but maybe you are feeling a bit flat. Maybe your heart is troubled. Maybe you need some fuel in the tank. Maybe you need some reasons to keep living for Jesus. So if that's you, if your heart is troubled, then maybe today this talk is for you. 
I want to explore briefly a conversation Jesus has with his disciples in John 13. I then want to talk about the conversation that's just been read to us in John 14. John 13, Jesus gives his disciples some bad news. He tells them that he's going away. They cannot follow him. He tells them that Judas is going to betray him, that he's going to be crucified. He tells them that Peter is going to abandon him. How are the disciples feeling at this point? Let me suggest they're feeling terrible. It feels like Jesus has pulled the plug on just about everything, their dreams, their hopes, their security. Everything's now headed down the plug hole. Do you know that feeling? One day life's okay. You feel like kind of your life is in this warm bath. It's all good. But then something pulls the plug. It all goes down the plug hole and you panic. You desperately try and put the plug back in, but you can't and you've lost a lot. John 13, Jesus gives his disciples some bad news. It feels like he's pulled the plug. In John 14, let me suggest, he's trying to put the plug back in. How does Jesus do that? Let me suggest he does it with some theology. He he opens their eyes. He helps them to see who God is. He opens the way for them to continue to participate in God's life and God's mission. He fills the bath, so to speak, with life-giving water. So let's pick up Jesus' words in verse 1. If you haven't got a Bible, there's one at the end of your row. If if you've got it on your phone, please look at it. You may need it. Verse 1, Jesus says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. What's he saying? I think he's saying, I know you believe in God. Believe also in me. Believe that I know what I'm doing. It's not all over. Trust in me the same way you trust in God. Who is your Jesus? Is your Jesus a good man? Or is he the human face of God? Is your Jesus good for a bit of advice occasionally or is he the Lord who is in control of everything? Is your Jesus, Jesus Junior, mini-me, mini? Or is he as big as we see in this passage? Is your Jesus like a drill sergeant who demands perfection or is he an overflowing bath of mercy for sinners. Jesus here is elevating himself. You believe in God, believe also in me. Now, why should you believe in him? Jesus here gives you three reasons, at least three reasons, and I want you to remember them. So let me talk about three things I want to talk about today. Keys. a ring and a wallet. And if, you, and if you're worried about the sermon and about how long it's going to go for, I'm just going to go through the three things, right? You can tick them off. 
So let's start with your keys. You came today with keys in your pocket or in your purse. Before you left your house this evening, you locked your doors. You locked the front door when you left. Now listen to what Jesus says in verse 2. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, I would have told you. Would I have not told you that where I'm going, there to prepare a place for you? Now, what's he saying? He's saying, I have the keys to the front door of my father's house. I can open it. I can open it for you. And the reason I'm going is to open it and to get it ready for you. You believe in God, believe also in me. Let's dig a little deeper. What's he saying? He's saying, yes, I'm going to be killed, but your journey with me isn't over. I'm going to die and be raised. I'm going to go to my father's house in order to make heaven your home. Your journey through life may be dark. It may feel gloomy at times, but I will bring you home. Now, I can remember reading this passage when I was a boy. I imagine that Jesus was like a glorified servant. He was going to his father's home to kind of puff the pillows and vacuum the floors. Reading Leviticus and Hebrews has given me a different perspective. Leviticus in the Old Testament, Leviticus 16, Day of Atonement. You may not remember it, you can read it when you go home. Day of Atonement, a priest atones for the sins of the people. He kills an animal, a sheep. He drains the blood and collects it in a bowl. He then takes the blood that's in the bowl into the tabernacle, the tent where God lives. Walks, as it were, into God's house with the blood. And by doing that, he completes the sacrifice on the Day of Atonement. What is Jesus doing when he returns to his father's house? That's Hebrews chapter 9. Let me read it to you briefly. Here's the language. But when Christ came as high priest of the good things that are now already here, he went through the greater and more perfect tabernacle that is not made with human hands. That is to say, that is not part of his creation. He did not enter by means of the blood of goats and calves, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by his own blood, thus obtaining an eternal redemption. For this reason, Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set, free, set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. What is Jesus doing when he goes to his father's house? How does he prepare a way for you? By carrying his own blood. A sign and symbol of the forgiveness he's won for you on a cross. Now, let me bring you back to John 14. For some of you, you will have a ring on the finger of your left hand. Some of you have a wedding ring. That wedding ring is a symbol of a promise. When you were married, you made some promises. Something like, I promise to be with you forever, together 
forever. Now listen to what Jesus says in verse 3. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. What's he saying? He's making a promise. The promise is together forever. I will not abandon you. I will come from heaven to get you. It is heaven won't be heaven until you are there with me. You believe in God? Believe also in me. Let's dig a little deeper. What's he saying? Your journey through life may feel dark and gloomy. You may doubt my love for you, but my blood, not a ring on your finger, testifies to the depth of my love for you. My love for you is like an ocean. Swim in it. Now again, I can remember reading this passage when I was a little boy. I thought that when Jesus came back, we'd kind of all rise up in the sky and float around on the clouds. Whoopie-doo. Have you ever read Revelation 21? Last book of the Bible. Let me read a bit of it to you. It explains what's going on. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. What is the future? Revelation 21 is saying it is heaven coming to earth. Where is heaven? There's a sense in which you're in it now. It's on earth. When Jesus comes, it will be heaven on earth. I long for heaven on earth more than just about anything. I sing with Lenny Kravitz, let love rule. And I'm deeply persuaded that Jesus is the only one who can bring peace on earth. Let me take you back to John 14. I began by talking about keys. Next I talked about a ring. I now talk about a wallet. If you don't have a wallet, maybe you've got a purse or a bag. In a wallet like mine, you'll have lots of different things in a wallet. You might have some junk, some pills or some coins. What's the most important thing in your wallet? Let me suggest the most important thing in your wallet is something like a driver's licence, something like a working with children check, something with a photo that functions like an ID card. Now look at what Jesus is saying 
in verse 6. I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. What's he doing? Now I'll be quick. Let me break it down. I am. That's the name God gives himself in Exodus 3. Jesus is now using it and applying it to himself. I am the way. Jesus is saying it's only through my death that you can be reconciled to God. I am the truth. He's saying the Father and I are one. I am the life. Jesus is saying you are spiritually dead, but I can share God's life with you. Do you hear what he's saying? Jesus is saying, look at me and you will see God. If you want God's ID, this is the metaphor analogy I'm using, I'm it. And to prevent any confusion or any misunderstanding, Jesus adds, verse 7, please note, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Wowie, wowie. How did the disciples respond? Verse 8, Philip says, Lord, show us the Father. That will be enough for us. Show us the Father and we will believe. Now, can you identify with Philip? See, I can. When God feels distant and remote, untouchable, unreachable, I sometimes say to God, speak to me. Let my ears hear your words. Do something so I can see you at work. Let me see you. Now, if you have ever felt like that or ever said anything like that to the eternal God, it's worth listening to what Jesus says in verse 9. Jesus says two things. First, he says, Don't you know me, Philip? Even after I have been among you for such a long time, how can you say, show us the Father? What's he doing? He's gently challenging Philip's idea that seeing leads to believing. Or put another way, Jesus is challenging the old philosophy that seeing is believing. See, listen to what Jesus is saying. Philip, you have seen me every day for years, but you still don't know me. To know me, you need more than sight. You need insight. To know Jesus, to know anybody for that matter, you need more than sight. You need insight. So why do you think seeing God now will help you, Philip? Second, Jesus says, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Jesus is saying, I hope you hear him, if you really see me, if you look at me with insight, if the penny's dropped, you will know who I am and you will see God. Now, that should give you something to chew on, but please look at verse 10. Jesus says, Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? What's Jesus saying? He's saying, 
that believing is seeing. Believing is seeing. What do you see in Jesus? What do you see when the penny drops? You see that the triune God is love. If we look at the world, it's a mess. And some days your life feels like a mess. On those days you may conclude that God is distant or indifferent. Jesus gives you a different picture. In Jesus we meet a God who steps into our mess, flesh and blood. He comes to fight and overcome evil, pay the cost forgiveness requires. He ends up on a cross. Where do you see the glory of God? The Christian answer is on a cross. That's where you look. Not a sunset. At the bloody naked body of Jesus on a cross. When my heart is troubled, where do I look if I want to see God? Jesus says, look at me by reading my story. Let the story open your eyes. Imagine me on a cross dying to pay the cost forgiveness requires. James Montgomery Boyce puts it this way. If perceiving is the true seeing, we are not deprived at all. For we can perceive Jesus and in perceiving him, we can know God. We can know him as well and in exactly the same way as he was known by his believing contemporaries. To know Jesus, you don't need to have been there in Palestine 2,000 years ago. It's today. If you see Jesus today, you will see God. Now, it's Jesus in John 14 calling for blind faith. Look again at what he says in verses 10 and 11. The words I say to you, I, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Right? Do you hear him? Look at the evidence. Engage with my teaching. Weigh my words. Investigate what I did. You may even find that my actions sometimes speak louder than my words. What do I do when my heart is troubled? Some days I go outside, lie on my back and look up at the stars in the night sky. I can ask myself, why am I here? More often though, I pull out the Bible and I begin to read a gospel again. I ask myself, did somebody make all this up or is it true? Now you may say to me today, Pete, you're talking for a long time, you're making Christianity sound dry, intellectual and boring. 
bookish. So let's look at Jesus in verse 12. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works that I am doing. And they will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Let me read it again. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing. And they will do even greater works than these because I am going to the Father. What is Jesus saying? Read Acts. It's the fifth book in the New Testament. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. If you read Acts, you'll find the answer to the question. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that when he returns to the Father's house, he will send his spirit to empower the disciples to be his ambassadors. The book of Acts tells you the greater works that the ascended Jesus did through his disciples. Put simply, the message he proclaimed in Palestine, the disciples take to the world. Amazing story. And it's a mission that you have a role in today. Have you ever been to a game at the MCG, watched a footy match? Just raise your hands gently. A few people, I see there's too many rugby players and soccer players here. We're talking Aussie rules here, footy. I've been to the MCG many times. I sat in the stands looking at the game, putting up with Collingwood Richmond supporters. Tough gig. It's great sitting in stand because you can watch the game unfold before your eyes. You can see how the ball moves from one end of the ground to the other. Astonishing. My dad, though, had a different experience when he went to the MCG because my dad played for what are now called the Sydney Swans. He played for South Melbourne, the Bloods. When my dad went to the MCG, he was actually on the ground playing the game. There were people in the grandstands watching him. Now, if you believe in Jesus, where are you? Are you up in the grandstand watching the eternal God do his thing, so to speak? Are you on the ground participating in his mission and life? You believe in Jesus, I think you're on the ground. I think you're involved in the game, so to speak. There'll be moments when the ball is in your hand and you feel and know the presence of the eternal God. You, you'll have the ball in your hand and what you do with it matters. Christianity is not a spectator sport. Turn up at church on Sunday and sing a few Jesus songs and go home. Christianity is about experiencing and being involved in and participating in the life and mission and work of the eternal God. Nothing more exciting. Now look at what Jesus says in verses 13 and 14. And I will do whatever you ask in my name so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name and I will do it. Now what's he saying? Well, let me give you some things to read. You need to read John 15 and 17 and Acts 4. John 15, Jesus talks about the relationship between loving him and obeying him. John 17, Jesus talks about the relationship between truth and prayer. 
And in Acts 4, you get an example of what it means to pray in Jesus' name. Now, I've asked Cam to put a, a thing up on the screen. Is that possible, Cam? Can we display that? Some of you may have seen this picture before. It's, a, it's an icon painted by a Russian in the 15th century, Andrei Rublev. This is his picture of Genesis 18, when Abraham is visited by three people. It's his way of, in the end, portraying who God is. It's his way of portraying God as Trinity, Father, Son and Spirit. Now, I find the icon both captivating and annoying. It's annoying because you get the impression that God is three separate individuals gathered around a table. That's frustrating for me because I don't think God is three separate individuals. God is one. One person, Father, Son and Spirit. One. Three persons who have everything in common. On the other hand, the pitch helps me to understand what I'm doing when I pray. If you look at the pitch, you see you'll notice at the front there's a space at the table. What are you doing when you pray? Here's my simple picture. You are taking your place at that table. You are sitting, participating in a conversation within the eternal God. When my heart is troubled, when I'm grumpy, when I can't sort the mess that sometimes my life is, when I can't sort it out, what do I do? I take my place at the table and talk to the eternal God and I listen to what he might be saying to me as I read the scriptures. And I tell him what's on my heart. Because the promise in John is that he will listen to me. Is your heart troubled? In the last few weeks, mine has been troubled. I get a phone call from my dad. My auntie's fallen over. She's broken her hip. In the ambulance, they're taking her to hospital. She's going to be in hospital for months. I've got emails from friends who have been in car accidents. They're all messed up and bunged up. I've got friends who have left this church to do other things, and I miss them. I'm excited about moving to a building, but I realise that so many of us are tired. Is Jesus in John 14 speaking to us? Yes, I think he is. Who is your Jesus? Is your Jesus a good man or is he the human face of God? Is your Jesus good for a bit of advice occasionally? Or is he the Lord who is in control of everything? Have you accepted Jesus' invitation to participate in the life and mission of the triune God? Are you actually on the ground? 
Or are you still sitting in the grandstand, watching Christianity from a distance? Is your Jesus indifferent to the ups and downs of this community, this church? Or is he leading us bit by bit to a better place? When you come to church every week, do you sit back and watch? Or do you get involved and get to know the people and share their lives and their loves and lift them up? Is your belief in Christ simply an intellectual thing? Or is your faith demonstrated by the way you get involved and the way you love and care for people in this community, the way you pray for the year ahead? Jesus says here to us, you believe in God? Believe in me the same way you believe in God. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. Throw your lot in with me. Totally. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, watch over us as we try and take all this in. It's a long day, a long service. Help us to remember when we use our keys that you bring us into your Father's house, that there's a place that you've made for us. When we think about a ring on our finger, Father God, help us to remember the death of your Son, the Lord Jesus, that he died in our place for our sins. That his death means we are yours forever. And Lord Jesus, when life feels all messy, when we're messy, when we scream out for help, help us to look at your face to see the Father in you, that you and the Father are one. When we look for God, Jesus, help us to look for you. Comfort us, we pray. And in your name we ask. Amen.